everybody and welcome. It's 11 p.m. Eastern Time, Wednesday, December 8th, 2021. And thank you for joining us for the 121st episode of the Rock and Roll Shrink Radio Show here on Blog Talk Radio. Special thanks to our host, NDB Media. I'm Casey Shapiro and with me tonight is Dr. Stephen Mathis, a.k.a. the Rock and Roll Shrink. Also, I want to thank everyone for their patience uh, when we had to postpone this show from November 24th for personal reasons. I had injured my hand and was having a hard time putting out the episode, but we are back in black, and we're really appreciative to those of you who have shown up tonight to hear. We'll be taking calls from our listeners all evening during the show at 914-338-0314. You can also follow along in our live chat room on blogtalkradio.com as the show is happening. Before we begin, a couple quick disclaimers. This show does not constitute a doctor-client relationship, nor legal or medical representation of any kind. Also, the views expressed on this show are those of Dr. Mathis and Ms. Shapiro, and are not an official stance on behalf of the psychological community or its peer vetting or regulatory body. And now, a topic-relevant bit of music played by Dr. Mathis himself. Take it away, Doc. Thank you very much for that. And if you don't mind, can you tell us the name of the song and the artist and its relevance to tonight's topic? 
Well, most folks uh, know that song. They just don't know they know that song. Uh, And I find it interesting that uh, two songs off this record that reflect the, uh, shall we say, the Cluster B-esque tendencies of its author, (laughs) the other one being Norwegian Wood. Uh, So this is Run For Your Life, which is the last song on the last side of Rubber Soul. And even though they say Linda McCartney, it's a John Lennon song. And uh, it's called Run For Your Life, and it's about a guy who basically says, you better run for your life, because if I catch you with another man, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Charming. <laughs> yeah, that kind of uh, sums it up. And since we're talking about domestic violence and abuse tonight, I thought that would be the perfect intro song. Yeah, I, I can see why that would fit in. Yes, yeah, so... Tonight's episode, as Dr. Mathis alludes, uh, is You Give Love a Bad Name, Domestic Violence and Abuse During the Holidays. And we will discuss that in a moment. But first, before we begin our topic discussion, let's first go to the Rock and Roll Shrink Recalls, which is a moment of rock music trivia stories as recounted by Dr. Mathis, if you would, sir. Well, on our last episode, uh, I talked about a famous overdrive slash distortion pedal. Uh, So tonight, I'm going to talk about another one that is probably as famous uh, as the first one we spoke of. And this is the infamous Green Machine, uh, excuse me, Tube Screamer. Uh, which is a Japanese invention that came out in the 70s that was extremely popular. Uh, It was originally preceded by the overdrive pedal, which was actually um, orange in color, I think, and the overdrive 2, the saga, continues, Uh, both of which which are predecessors of the green machine, as I call it, which is the tube screamer. Uh, which originally uh, was the TS-808, and uh, that was the one that was released in the 70s that everybody just loved. It had the 4558 chip, uh, Japanese chip, although some of the units actually had a Malaysian-based chip that was manufactured by Texas Instruments, believe it or not, uh, which I think was the RC-4558P, if I'm not mistaken, but... I could be wrong on that one, but it was definitely a Texas instrument chip. And then in 81 to roughly 85, the TS-9, the the improved series of overdrive pedals came out. And it basically had the same uh, internal structure, but they had a different output uh, stuff. They had a different level uh, of brightness, so it was a little brighter and a little less smooth than the previous uh, years. And then as the TS-9s evolved in later years, they had a various uh, sundry op-amps that were added to them uh, and that did not have the original JRC uh, uh, chip in it, which was the original Japanese pan, uh, chip in it. And Ibanez was the uh, Japanese company that put out the, uh, the tube screamer. And they discontinued eventually um, the Series 9 pedals, and then I think they introduced the, the, the uh, I think it's called the L Series, which they also call the quote-unquote Master Series. Uh, and they only made those like one or two years, like 85, 86, and then that was kind of it. 
And there was a really rare model of, this, of the tube screener that was actually never released in America. It was released only in, as I call it, Gadeland, Australia, and uh, Europe. It was called a super tube screamer. So I, I've actually never seen or heard one of those. Well, I probably have heard them on records, but I've never seen one or heard one in person. I'm really familiar with the other ones because they're like incredibly well-known and very, very popular. And I'll, I'll, when I get finished with this, I'll list all the people that over the years who have used tube screamers and, and everybody will go, oh, oh, oh. I'm like, uh-huh, you've heard this before. <laughs> Uh, so in uh, roughly 86, the TS-9 uh, began production by Avanes, which was the Power Series, um, which was the TS-10, and they go, went through a bunch, bunch of changes, circuit changes. Uh, some of them were made in Taiwan using a different chip uh, and just different jacks and different potentiometers, and some were mounted to the boards instead of the actual cases. Most of the time when you see those things, the, the knobs and jacks and stuff are mounted to the actual outside case, uh, but in some cases they're mounted to the actual uh, board, uh, which is really not a great idea because then if the jacks break off, they usually muck the board up and you have to buy another pedal, but maybe that was uh, <laughs> a, clever, a clever marketing plan, I don't know. Um, and then the TS-5 came out, which was actually plastic. The, the other ones were more like poly, you know, very heavy-duty polyurethane metal. And it was called a sound tank. And that came out and was available, I think, till 2000, 1999, maybe. Um, and it was similar to the TS-9 uh, that was made, but it was made uh, by Maxon uh, Company. And eventually, the first year they produced it, uh, they actually had metal casing, and then after that, they decided it was too expensive, and they switched to plastic, which is really a bad idea because if you don't have any metal, you don't have any grounding for the uh, inputs, and so these things buzzed like a son of a biscuit eater with the plastic ones. It was just like, nah, you know, people were not very, very happy with them, as you can imagine. Uh, and then the TS-7 came out in 99 also, uh, which is called the Tone Loke pedal, uh, and that was actually made in Taiwan. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. It was actually made in Taiwan. It wouldn't surprise me if this artist got his name after this. Uh, it was uh, made in an aluminum case, so it was a very, very durable pedal. And it also had a, a, a hot switch, uh, but you had to go inside the circuit, so you had to take the back off, and you'd flip this little uh, flip-dilly switch. Don't you love my technical terms? In the back, <laughs> they would change it to hot mode, uh, and it really... Uh, it beefed up the sound quite a bit. Uh, a lot of them came also with the uh, with the Texas Instrument chip, so there was there was no real consistency. They, some of them came with one chip, some of them came with the other, so it was kind of like. Mm. Uh, then the TS eight hundred eight HW came out. That was in two thousand sixteen, again by Ibanez, and that was considered to be like the primo limited edition, uh, and it was hand wired. So this was like woohoo, and this is a very sought-after one. It's in a very, very, very dark green type, um, heavy-duty metal case. It's really, 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 um, it's a heavy piece of, of gear, uh, and it comes with a bypass. It has a true, oh, one of the first true bypasses in it, so if you're not using the pedal, the pedal doesn't decrease your volume or doesn't mess up your signal if you have it on off. That's what true bypass is, uh, which a lot of the... Uh, 
previous tube screamers, no, none of them had it. So if you wanted true bypass, you took it to a, a pedal mod person and they met, pop, modded it. And then you came, they came out finally um, with an, a JCR 4850 um, a chip with a 20 dB booster. So that's a honking lot of booster, and that was called the TS-808DX. Uh, so that is sort of the uh, the tube screamer on steroids, if you will, the 808 on steroids, which is the original tube screamer, the 808 and the uh, TS the TS 808. So among the there and that's so you have a variety of these floating out in the market currently. So depending on you, know, you can pick used ones up or whatever. Um, and then there's a lot of pedal manufacturers who are making. Uh, for lack of a better term, tube screamer clones out there. Um, but most people, if they want a tube screamer, they're going to want, if they've got the money, they're going to want one of the old school, original, the 70s tube screamers, or the, either a TS-9 or a TS-808. So among the players, uh, both present and past, and the reason I say past is not because they're not using the pedal, it's because they're not here anymore. Uh, Trey Anastasio... Uh, Billy Joe Armstrong, Joe Bonamassa, uh, Cliff Burton, who used to play him on his Rickenbacker basses, uh, oh, yeah. Gary Clark Jr. Yeah, that guy was a great bass player. Holy shoes. Um, the Edge, <laughs> uh, Noel Gallagher, wow. Rory Gallagher, another hot player, uh, wow. Kim Gordon, uh, who I think wow. plays with uh, Sonic Youth, um, Buddy Guy, you know, who's still around playing, yeah. great guitar player, Kirk Hammond of uh, Metallica, uh, Greg Howe, Joan Jett, uh, Eric Johnson, uh, John Mayer, George Lynch, uh, Michael McCready of uh, Pearl Jam, uh, Gary Moore, another fabulous guitar player, uh, John Norum, John Bertucci, uh, Carlos Santana, <laughs> Kenny Wayne Shepard, uh, wow. Adrian, yeah, Adrian Smith of uh, Iron Maiden, uh, Andy uh-huh. Timmons, uh, the, the guitar player for Danger Danger, the, the kind of the uh, pop metal band. Uh, I love that band, actually. Uh, Michael Shanker, one of my all-time favorite guitar players uh, for UFO and uh, on his own Michael Shanker band, MSG, who's just an amazingly good player. Uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, <laughs> noticed a lot of Strat players, and Steve yeah. I. There's some so, very heavy names on that list. <laughs> So there are a lot of folks who have been uh, Tube Screamer folks. And those who are still playing are still using the Tube Screamer. In fact, wow. uh, I think Kenny I think Kenny Wayne Shepard has like two different models, and John Mayer has like three different models. Gary Moore was using three different models. In fact, Gary Moore, John Mayer got the same three models Gary Moore did, as Gary Moore is one of his heroes. Gary Moore is a freaking amazing blues guitar player. Just amazing yeah. blues player. Is he blues still rock with player. us? No, Gary Moore passed several years ago. Oh, really, really good guy. Really, really good player. Um, really, really good player. Uh, Jerry, Can- I think I mentioned Jerry Cantrell. If I forgot his name, uh, yeah. Allison yeah, Change. Yeah. Okay, he uses he uses the, he uses the HW version. Uh, and. Yeah, Cliff Burton had one of the original TS9s that he used on his Rickenbackers, the basses he played, which is one reason they had that little grungy kind of tone to him. It was perfect for what he did, just perfect. Ah, uh, okay, I see. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, because if you listen to the, the Rickenbacker sound that Cliff has, it's very different from the Rickenbacker sound that Getty Lee has. But that's because Getty Lee's not using a distortion box or, or an overdrive or a distortion box on his bass. He's just cranking the crap out of the amp, and he's getting it kind of naturally. Um, and Joe Bonamassa is obviously a, a monster player, and he's got one of the original TS-808s. So, uh, yeah, this, uh, we have a quite a history here of uh, folks. And, of course, Joan Jett's still, whether she's still playing. And yeah. most, of the, I think most, of the, most of these folks are still playing. Uh, there you have Sweet. it. Sweet. Okay. All right. Thank you very much for that. Okay. So, uh, pardon me. Uh, again, we will take calls from our listeners and questions in the online chat room throughout the rest of the evening until around midnight. And it's 1116, so you got about 45 minutes if you want to chit-chat. So please feel free to give us a call. And again, the number is 914-338-0314. Alrighty, so let's get started. Episode 121, Domestic Violence and Abuse During the Holidays. So every year it has been a tradition here at the Rock and Roll Strength to choose topics that are especially relevant to the changing social landscape surrounding the fall and winter holidays. The majority of us will be returning to childhood hometowns, seeing family members with whom we haven't interacted much for a while and many of whom may perpetuate toxic dynamics with us or we may even be cocooning at home feeling down that we're not doing these things. Um, Dealing with abuse at home on an everyday basis is hard enough as it is. Abuse at home or in families is one of our most often addressed topics here at the Rock and Roll Shrink. Here are some other related shows that we've done in the past, either about abuse in specific or toxic holiday dynamics of different sorts. Um, way In the way back machine, episode nine on holiday depression, this was one of three that we put together for people that were struggling with um, substance problems or similar pathologies during the holidays because there's always that wound up. And that was... Um, November of 2016, followed by episode 10, Maintaining Sobriety and Health During the Holidays, because we know that when you're in that position, the holidays can really derail you if you're not careful. Um, that was part two of three, and that was December 2016, or, or early to mid-December 2016, and then episode 11, to round it out, Reasonable and Rational New Year's Resolutions, part three of three. And that was at the end of December 2016. So we had those together. And then we skip ahead uh, to episode 35, The Grand Illusion, which was essentially about the myth of perfect holidays. You know, everybody sees the Hallmark Channel stuff, and nobody's holiday is ever like that. And so we wanted to talk about that. Um, episode 36, uh, that was at the end of 2017. That was another old Lang Syne about resolutions and guilt. Or, you know, trying not to have guilt when we don't fulfill them. And then episode 56, which was in November of 2018, that's the psychology of holidays. You know, how did they end up in the structure that we have now? And how important really is that? And then episode 57, which was a couple weeks later, setting boundaries on holidays. And that was at the end of November 2018. 
And then the next year we did episode 80, which is Who Says You Can't Go Home? Toxic Family Holidays, which is very related to what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, That was uh, November 2019. Episode 81, I'll Be Home for Christmas, Holiday Losses. And that was December 2019. And then episode 97, Thankfulness, episode one of two. That was November of 2020. And then episode 98, Thankfulness, part two of two, December of 2020. And so if you guys ever need a reminder where those are we do have a list on our facebook page pinned at the top and i do need to add the last few episodes there's a facebook mechanics problem with that and i'm having a friend help me while we redo the list so that we have the last 20 episodes on there included as well but feel free to message the page in the meantime if there's something that you need to be guided to all the episodes are still up on blog talk radio and you can hear them pretty much on demand So tonight, we will discuss what exactly is abuse. We've talked about it before, but I can definitely see from things in the news and a few people I actually know personally that just because we've talked about it doesn't mean we don't need to talk about it again. And I want to make sure we are agreeing on boundaries of behavior here. Second, what is special or different about holiday gatherings and abusive behavior? Third, What keeps the abused from seeking help around the holidays? And fourth, what would it take to end the cycle of abuse, even if it must happen on a special occasion? And before we dive into this, I'm going to check in with you, Dr. Mathis, and see if there's anything that you'd like to add before we get started. I'm good. All righty. So let's go ahead and jump in. What exactly is abuse? Agreeing on boundaries of behavior. So most people, even targets, which I've tried to start saying instead of victims, because I really don't want people to feel like they can't get out of it. And I think the language change might help with that attitude. Um, So most people, even targets who continue to remain in abusive situations, most likely know that the obvious definitions of abuse, mostly meaning physical domestic violence of some sort, Just to make sure we are all having the same conversation here, we want to note several other behaviors and situations that also constitute abuse. Not everything is about a man hitting a woman. Um, There's a quote from one of the web pages I grabbed for you guys. It says, domestic violence, parenthetically also referred to as intimate partner violence, IPV, dating abuse or relationship abuse, end parentheses is a pattern of behaviors used by one partner to maintain power and control over another partner in an intimate relationship. It is also abusive if your partner, a family member, or honestly, anyone with whom you have any kind of a relationship or dynamic, even roommates or caregivers, you know, it does not have to be a romantic partner. Um, if they do any of the following things, and these are somewhat in alphabetical order, but um, they're all important is basically what I want you to take away from this. So um, I'm going to read off some things that people tend to brush aside or excuse, or they just don't really realize that this constitutes abusive behavior. So please pay attention. 
First, accusing you of cheating, especially when they are the ones actually cheating. Cheating on you to intentionally hurt you and threatening to cheat again to suggest that they're somehow better than you. Blaming you for their abusive behaviors. Controlling your appearance, including clothes, makeup, or hairstyles. Destroying your belongings or your home, you know, like punching a wall or something like that, especially to intimidate you or punish you for resisting, talking back, any, any perceived slight. Financial abuse. Controlling finances in the household without discussion, including taking your money or refusing to provide money for necessary expenses. And just as a caveat here, and this is true of anything that we say in the show, there are a few of these behaviors that some people in power exchange relationships engage in, but the important difference is that when they negotiate how the dynamic's going to go up front, they've had a conversation where they agree to do this. And they also can agree that they're not feeling it and they want to leave the relationship. And that's supposed to be okay. So obviously we're not talking about those people unless they want out and the person won't let them out or give them their money or whatever. You know, if somebody is controlling your paycheck or not even letting you see it, that's abuse. Gaslighting or otherwise insisting or convincing others that you are wrong or mentally ill. Insulting your parenting or threatening to harm or take away your children or pets. Insulting, demeaning, or shaming you, especially in front of other people, you know, like about your appearance or what you can and cannot do or how you are in bed, you know, private things. And just putting that out in front of everybody and plopping your underwear up on the table and talking about it. And being dismissive, saying crap like, it's just a joke, lighten up. Or being nasty if they're called out or asked to stop it. Intimidating you to get their own way, either through looks they give you, gestures, threats, or actual actions. Doing so through the use or threat of use of weapons. Pressuring you to use drugs, prescriptions, or alcohol against your will. And now this is not the same as if you both have talked to someone's doctor and they want them to be taking a certain prescription or something and you are pestering the person to make sure they take it that's not the same thing be very clear on these things next preventing you from making your own decisions including stuff about your work or attending school also banking having access to transportation and other major personal decisions these are things that should be discussed with you you're not five And so if you're being treated like you're five, that's kind of abusive. Preventing you from seeing friends or family, especially without the abuser present. Like if you wanted to go see your mom because she's sick and the abuser's in a job and they can't take the time off, you know, not allowing you to go see your mom because they can't go because they don't want you out of their sight. you, You might make plans to leave. And if you get an opportunity to do that, you should. So they're correct, but that's abusive. Sexual abuse slash rape. Pressuring you to have sex or perform sexual acts you're not comfortable with. Not even a spouse can rightfully demand sex. You're not a sex slave. You know, 
Dynamics aside, fetishes aside, you're not a sex life. Telling you that you're a screw-up or can't ever do anything right. Telling you that you're lucky to be with them and you're never going to find someone better. Or trying to control with whom you are friends and or how you communicate with others, like being all up in your email or phone access, not letting you have them, or other privacy violations. So, like, you can't send an email to a friend without them seeing it, reading it, controlling it, because, quite frankly, they are probably afraid that you're going to message that friend and say, come get me and get me the hell out. And they'd be right, but, again, abuse. Okay. Also, please remember not to make certain assumptions about targets because our assumptions sometimes have led people not to help people who need it because they don't fit stereotypes that we have. So not all targets are women. Not all abusers are men. You know, this especially goes for uh, relationships with people who are gender fluid or uh, transgender or in a gay or lesbian relationship or anything like that. Not everything is the 1950s stereotype. Nobody has it coming, quote unquote, by their actions, lack of actions or skills, appearance or any other similar reasons. It doesn't matter how she's dressed. It doesn't matter whether he can provide for the household. Any of these things do not mean it's okay to abuse somebody. Every human being is entitled to personal agency and control of their own lives and their choices. Individuals and cultures who refuse to respect this boundary are still abusers. They do not get a pass because of how they were treated growing up or how they were raised themselves or what culture they're in. You know, uh, there are certain behaviors that are abusive universally. And just because somebody is part of a family or a culture where this is not considered abuse doesn't make it magically not abuse. It's still a problem and you have every right to get out and not put up with it. Not all targets are even adults because there is teen dating abuse where teens don't realize something is inappropriate because this is all fairly new to them. And there are some teens who are a little more sophisticated and they realize that this is a thing and they'll take advantage of it. So realize that kids and teens can be being abused in different kinds of relationships, either dating or a sibling engaging in inappropriate behavior or a babysitter or a neighbor or an extended relative, you know, Uncle Ernie and the Who and, and Tommy. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I went there. But, you know, we joke about it. We like the song. But there are Uncle Ernie's in the world, and it's okay to say no. And and kids and teens are even more terrified they won't be helped or they won't be believed because they're not yet adults. And honestly, because some false targets lie about these things, and they're worried that that's going to be thought of them. So if you are putting up with anything on this list or if it even smells close to what's on the list, it is very likely abusive, and there is nothing wrong with you to ask for another opinion, ask for help getting out, ask for counseling, whatever it is that you think you need to get some safety going on. All right, so with that, that's section one, and I'm going to pause and see if Dr. Mathis would like to add anything here. Not really, except that uh, I, I almost played fiddle about <laughs> for 
situation but yeah that would have been ironic and kind of awkward <laughs> well that's why i settled for the other one i thought it was a little yes. more uh yeah <laughs> yeah yes. a little tiny bit yes um but you know that's that's why that song resonates with people because there's a lot of us who knew an uncle ernie or you know yep. maybe not in our own household but we knew of them and I think in earlier generations, we were afraid to intervene because, oh, look, it's a cute who song, except it's not. Yeah. So, oh, I know. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's a, that's a valid point. All right. So <laughs> let's go ahead and, and uh, go to section two. It's 1130, so we've got about half an hour yet to chat. So section two, what is special or different about holiday gatherings and abusive behavior? So... I grabbed a few things from websites and consolidated this, but essentially, according to studies from the National Resource Center on Domestic Violence, which is one of several websites I consulted, uh, the holidays change multiple factors in supporting targets of domestic violence. Many targets need more services than usual and may become, quote, needier due to being separated from family, friends, faith communities or other parts of their normal support system being disrupted for multiple reasons, including their own holiday needs. Like if you have a particular counselor that you really get along with and then the counselor needs to go out of town for the holiday to see their family in across the country, you know, so all of a sudden you're without your favorite person to talk to and you really need to talk to them because the holidays are being really hard for you. You know, this can be an issue, and it, it may affect whether or not you're willing to intervene on your own behalf. You may not want to leave while you don't have that person to talk to. Um, another point that happens, the holiday season in general can be stressful and emotionally draining, even when it's going well. You know, you've heard this said about, like, graduation or weddings or expecting new kids. Um you know, it's a nice event, but it still wears you out. And it can be harder for targets to get access to frequent support activities, such as spa trips, exercise classes, outings with friends, or even extra counseling to decompress. Such activities are more moments when abuses can be discovered or the target is separated from their abuser, like your Average abuser is probably not going to let you go to the spa and have a nice day because they won't be there. Or if they were there, they might see something bad and the spa people will look at them and maybe call 911, depending on what got said or done. The holidays in our culture heavily focus on reconnecting, especially to family and friends we haven't seen. This can expose domestic violence going on at home elsewhere. This could bring targets who escaped back in touch with a former abuser, such as a parent, a sibling, a neighbor, an ex-partner. Like if you got divorced from somebody and you share custody of the kids and they might end up having to come around to the house and then it's a problem. Uh, the marketing and propaganda around our winter holidays can remind people of a family or a home life that they do not currently have. They can bring situations like cards, emails, or phone calls from people who are unaware of current circumstances and who might intervene. You know, like your 
college roommate sends you a Christmas card and sort of wonders why you send one back and it doesn't really look like you're having a very good time and they give you a call and then your abuser answers the phone and like, who the hell is this person? And it brings up that sort of stuff pretty heavily. Um, so essentially, in, in summary, holiday gatherings can exacerbate stuff that's already going on. A lot of the things that go on can be going on all the time. But at holiday gatherings, you get together more often. People take off of work and go places. Or they have people coming to town, you know, people you haven't seen in a while. And a lot of times abusers will isolate someone or make them kind of cocooned in with the abuser. And a lot of holiday activities draw you out. You know, we're all going to go get together and see uncle so-and-so that's at the home. And these kinds of things bring up abuses because they put you out in a giant spotlight with everybody and with people who might intervene on your behalf. The abuser does not want that. So that's the basic thing with section number two. And I'm going to check in with you again, Dr. Mathis, and see if there's anything you'd like to add to this. Well, I think what's different about the holidays, too, is that people are usually um, consuming mass quantities of uh, social lubricants (laughs) during these times. And that sort of disinhibits them uh, and or makes them more testy. So if they have uh, tendencies towards that kind of thing, it may decrease some of their inhibitions that they might otherwise be able to put a lid on their id upon. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. And we're actually going to talk about that some more in the next section as well. So I definitely think that that contributes. All right, so section three, what keeps the abused from seeking help around the holiday? Um, As much information that is out there and available, so many victims and support staff are not believed as to what happens in their communities, and therefore they do not get sufficient resources to help or to seek help effectively. According to more studies from the National Resource Center on Domestic Violence, to date, now this was back in 2011, but I haven't seen much evidence that it's changed. Um, There's no comprehensive national study linking the holidays with an increase in domestic violence. Most of the available information continues to be anecdotal or opinion pieces reflecting the experiences of advocates at a particular shelter program or law enforcement agencies in a given community. Also, an analysis of statistics from small studies and available data on calls to the National Domestic Violence Hotline indicate some contradictory patterns. Basically, what I'm trying to get you guys to understand is the fact that these things disagree with each other or don't have really sufficient evidence are a roadblock to getting enough support systems in communities because they can't agree on the data. So how can we be sure we need to send them? That's the story they get. Excuse me. Okay, so... Um, Regional and state statistics indicate that the number of incidents seems to be at its highest between Christmas and New Year's, especially New Year's Day, interestingly. Yet, on the other hand, looking at data from the National Domestic Violence Hotline for the years 2004 through 2010 indicated the number of hotline calls drops dramatically during the holidays. 
For instance, call volume drops by approximately half on Thanksgiving Day. Call volume decreases by an average of 53% on Christmas Day and 30% on New Year's Day. It's not explicitly stated in these studies, but my guess personally is that this is probably happening because of changes in schedules, who's around to witness things, financial strain, keeping up figurative or literal appearances in the name of not associating a big holiday with drama, a breakup, or even legal or law enforcement intervention. It plain and simply may be a lot easier to get caught being abusive over the holidays or also get caught trying to make a phone call for help. Um, It also may make it much harder to call a support line or otherwise ask for help for the same reasons. If one were to use the holiday to escape the situation, it could be so much harder to disguise one's intentions or to bring necessary or even just beloved belongings on such a family trip unnoticed. Like if you were planning to use Christmas to get away from somebody and you wanted to grab certain things and pull them out of the house before you run, that's going to be really hard to hide. So I I kind of think these sorts of things are why the calls go down, not because the incidents go down, but because the number of witnesses go up so people lay low. And with that, I'm going to check in with you, Dr. Mathis, and see if you care to comment. No, I think all of that's probably really true. Um, Excuse me. And also people are either, you know, incapacitated, uh, (laughs) especially New Year's Day, uh, from the, (laughs) yeah, the celebration of eating prior. So, yeah, they're sleeping it off. Yes, which means they're not on the phone asking for help or that the other correct. person might yep. be up. Yeah. Yep. So, all righty, cool. Well, I'm I'm glad that you concur because they, they didn't come out and say it, but that's kind of what I read into it is that the oh, holidays changed a, so yeah. many factors. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. So, section four, what would it take? to end the cycle of abuse, even if it must happen on a special occasion. You know, I get everybody wants to just have their holiday. It's enough stress without the added stress of something like this. But frankly, if you're not willing to do it on a regular work week, uh, when are you going to be ready to go or ready to help someone go? You know, just stop and think about that. It's not nice. It's a lot of foolishness. But there's no way to take that out of the equation. That's part of the equation. So let's talk about that. In these kinds of situations, it's quite common that the abusive party has been engaging in such behavior for years. And by trial and error is all too familiar with exactly how far they can go before authorities or law enforcement can or will get involved. There are guidelines and boundaries before one can get professional or even coached volunteer help or intervention. And the lines that must be crossed to be allowed to intervene differ drastically, not only by state or even county, but they can be constantly changing. So what was legal five or ten years ago may no longer apply. I I watched this happen in a neighboring county where I used to live, Fairfax County, Virginia, where – At one point, they would come out and do a stereotypical visit if somebody called because of a DV situation. And then all of a sudden in the 
mid to late 90s, they changed the law. I don't know what it currently is, but for a while it was if we get called out for a DV situation, one of you is going to jail, and it doesn't necessarily mean it's the abuser. They, for a time, were willing to jail the complaint person because one of them needed to leave. That was their way of diffusing it. And there was quite a stink because that really didn't end up working. So I assume it got changed back, but I couldn't figure it out in time. You know, I I may take a look at that later as a follow-up question. But that's an example of the kinds of things that go on where you think you know the law and then the law changes and maybe you didn't get the memo and you act on it based on what you thought it was 10 years ago and find out it's not true. So that can be a problem. Our public assistance law enforcement and volunteer organizations and staff are badly underinformed, overwhelmed, and wholly unprepared in most parts of our country to know what to do and when to successfully help a target get out and get away to safety and help. You know, there's help organizations, but how many of them have a really bad recidivism problem? They can't take you in. They can't keep you there. They can't keep you safe. And people end up leaving Going back to the person like, oh, you left your dog here. Something might happen to Fido if you don't come home. You know, they're not prepared to deal with these things, and they just can't keep up. Also, and this point is both critical and unavoidable. This is what I was telling you a minute ago. Usually the main reasons that targets stay in such, such situations for so long are typically that they do not understand what is a healthy relationship. And more importantly, they do not believe anyone will help them to get out of a toxic one. And yes, it will involve potential personal risk, but so does making it so they must stay because you will not assist them. You know, if you're not going to help them get out, you may be reading about them in the paper in a little while, and I'm not being hyperbolic. That's totally happened. Um, They need somewhere to go where their abuser cannot follow and they need multiple other people they cannot, that the abuser cannot bully or control to stand up to the abuser and defend the target leaving. There are an awful lot of abusers who talk a good game, and they might even do a good game, but it's always when they have you alone and nobody's watching. You have a lot of people watching or a lot of people coming over to the house and not leaving. It's a lot harder to do something. So if this person cannot be you, then help the target find someone who can and who will intervene. The lack of this resource is a common weapon used to control targets. Do not let the emotional blackmail of blaming you for ruining the holiday ever be the reason you do not ask for help or let someone you trust know that you need help. No matter what an abuser may say to you, they're one person. And if you let other people know, then those people can try to intervene. If you're a target of abuse, you're going to have to initiate your own rescue or enroll a trusted friend, family member, or professional or volunteer advocate to help you plan out your leaving and getting help. So here are a few websites. There are national resources that may have more information and help for you. And I picked the national ones because the local ones are only good in those states or those counties. <clears throat> so the first one is the Battered Women's Justice Project. That's bwjp.org. 
The second one, and this is especially good for younger people who don't want to get on the phone or just don't like talking on the phone. It's a crisis text line. It's crisistextline.org. But what you can do is from your cell phone, you can text 741-741. And a person on staff is available 24 hours a day and will text you back to talk about anything that you might need a counselor for. And that includes abuse situations. Or if you want to talk to a human and go, am I even in an abusive situation? You know, if you can't remember everything I've said tonight and you're just not sure, they can coach you through that. They can probably direct you to resources in your local area for getting out. Uh, Next one is the Department of Justice has an office for victims of crime. And that is www.ojp.usdoj.gov. And there's more to the URL, but once you get there, you'll, you'll see the opening page. Uh, next one is National Organization for Victim Assistance, and that's www.trinova, Nova being National Organization for Victim Assistance, not Northern Virginia, <laughs> trinova.org. <clears throat> next one is National Sexual Violence Resource Center. I quoted them several times tonight. Uh, they do a lot of advocacy and studies and have resources for people. And that's nsvrc.org. The next one is the National Teen Dating Abuse Helpline. This is extremely good if you have high schoolers who are in toxic relationships. Maybe they don't take their parents' words seriously, but they might listen to people at the helpline. So that is www.org loveisrespect.org next is rape abuse and incest national network r-a-i-n-n that is a heavy advocacy group that is quoted in a lot of places and they have a lot of resources uh, nationally to help with that and they are at r-a-i-n-n.org and the last one is the stalking resource center if you are trying to get away from your abuser and they just keep finding you and coming after you, they can probably help. And they are at victimsofcrime.org. And if you are unable to get these written down in time, uh, depending on where you live, there's likely additional local, regional, county, or state resources also at your disposal. Try contacting social services or local shelters for leads and ideas. And if, if you didn't get these written down in time or you need other help, you are also welcome to message our Facebook page, Twitter account, or contact us through our website, rockandrollstrength.com, for more information and advice about how to leave an abusive situation. Please let the holidays become the day that you got away from abuse and took back your life. And with this, I'm going to check in with you, Dr. Mathis, and see if there's anything else you want to bring up. No, I just want to really encourage folks not to tolerate it, not to take excuses. <clears throat> you know, if, if somebody goes out of line one time and, you know, that's not a repeat offender, that's great. But most of these kind of folks aren't one-time offenders. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen these with folks coming into the office and I, oh, but she didn't really mean it. He told me he loved me. Well, I can say I'm a blonde-haired, blue-eyed chick with big hooters at 16 years old, but that's not true either. <laughs> so, uh, 
you know, don't believe them. If you have a see a history of that kind of stuff going on, you know, I have three words for people, and that is get out now, and then get on the phone and report it now, and don't put up with it. Don't let them BS you. Don't let them gaslight you. Don't let them don't let them convince you that quote unquote you deserved it or any other horse manure. It's it's completely unacceptable. And that's all I really have to say about it. Uh, okay, I hit my microphone, and so like the last whole thing that I said wasn't <laughs> audible. <laughs> so I appreciate your input, and I'm going to need to start over. So all I wanted to add is that what I've already said before, sometimes the targets need help to get away and they're not sure people are going to step up. So absolutely don't put up with it. But if the thing that's stopping you is that I need help to get out and I don't have any help, then start asking. And people, if you're not the target and you know of a target, let them know I would be willing to help you. I would be willing to call the police for you so he doesn't find out or she or whatever. Let people know that you're willing because a lot of people are not willing and that makes targets not want to leave because they're terrified yep. they'll have to do it by themselves and they'll get thwarted. And it may or may not be true, but the abusers convinced them of it and that's all that it takes. So definitely step up. You know, we, we have definitely made our house a safe house now and we've actually taken people in to get away from other people. And you have to let people know that you're there. You have to be willing to do it. It might ruin Thanksgiving or Hanukkah. But you know what? Uh, reading a nasty article in the paper is going to ruin it more. And then you're going to be sad that you didn't do something earlier. So be willing to sacrifice a holiday so that you can have a bunch more with that person and not be kicking yourself. You know, it's pretty much what I've got to say to that. You know, be vocal about it. Be willing to risk because that's what they're going to need. And, and so please give it to them. All right. So, you know, in summary here, we hope now that our listeners better understand how to cope with domestic violence or other abuse issues, whether it's in their own home or that of a friend or family member during the holidays. It's a difficult situation under regular circumstances. But holidays can really exacerbate these situations. Please take advantage of the resources that we've shared tonight and ask us if you have any questions or if you, you missed a resource, you don't have a way to replay this episode, you know, go ahead and just get in touch with us and we'll help you out. So with that, this essentially concludes our show. You give love a bad name, domestic violence and abuse during the holidays. And I'm going to check in with you one last time, Dr. Mathis, see if there's anything that you would like to add about any part of the show. No, I'm good. Thanks. Okie dokie. So on behalf of myself, Dr. Mathis, and NDB Media, we want to thank our listeners this evening and give our appreciation also to those of you who may be joining us later via podcast, iTunes, etc. So we'll see you guys in two weeks. 
and we'll have a new topic for discussion Wednesday, December 22nd, almost Christmas, Santa, at 11 p.m. Eastern Time right here on blogtalkradio.com. We'd also like to give a shout-out to other NDB Media shows that are coming up in the next couple of weeks. Travel Edge Radio should be tomorrow night. Um, I don't know what the topic is, so I can't share that with you. And if I'm wrong and they've gone to bi-weekly, then it will be next Thursday, and that will definitely still be before we're on next. So check them out on Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Sports Talk with the Guys, Saturday morning extravaganza, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on Saturday mornings. The Monday morning quarterbacks are live on Saturday morning, and this is hosted on Streamlabs, and the link will be posted on the NDB Media page on Facebook. Sundays, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, the Walking Dead online viewing party is now on hiatus until February 20th, 2022, because Fear Season 7 Midway Point has ended as well as World Beyond, the series has ended. So we're taking a little holiday break until after Valentine's Day. Monday Night in America with Roger Noriega, that will be on December 13th, 10 p.m., Roger D. Noriega brings you his unique take on politics, current events, entertainment, sci-fi, and history. Also currently hosted on StreamYard. Uh, Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern Time is Fandom Access. Weekend Review. Join the terrific trio of Jamie, Karen, and AJ as they dig into another night of television. So please look for The Rock and Roll Shrink on Facebook, on Twitter, on iTunes, and on the web at www.rockandrollshrink.com. Good night, everybody. We appreciate you joining us, and rock on. Happy holidays. Be safe. Good night. (laughs) 